I am Jen Wilson, author and body, mind and soul coach. Welcome to the I Am podcast, where we explore who you are. Hello, it is Jen from the I Am Jen Wilson podcast and on today's show I have Faith Cantor. So Faith is an amazing author, she's an inspirational human being and I've followed Faith for coming up for four years now. Um, We both had books come out around the same time, we did that through the Indie Authors Publishing House and yeah, I've just been following Faith's story for the last few years and really been inspired by her. Um, she's a beautiful being, very calm, very at peace. And yeah, tune into this. Oh, that's my dinner already. Um, <laughs> yeah, tune into this conversation. Um, hope you enjoy it. And I'm off to get dinner. Faith, welcome to the podcast. It's so good to have you here. I, we both had a book out. My, my book came out the same time as one of yours. I think it was your second book, maybe three years ago. Is that your first or your second book? Is that cleanse? Or? That might have, that might have been my third three years ago. Yeah. Um, yeah, loving yourself inside and out. Yeah. When did cleanse come out? The year before that, I think. Might have been that one then, because I might have lost a year somewhere. I'm coming <laughs> up to four. Yeah, I'm going to be four years this year. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it might be kind then. Yeah, but I've got all of them anyway, so. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> and we both um, did our books through Indie Authors World. Yeah. Which is how I then became aware of who you were and started following your stuff. Thank you so much for being agreeing to be on the podcast. Thank so, you for asking me. Absolute pleasure. Um, so why don't you introduce yourself to the listeners? Okay. Um, I'm currently <laughs> a, because it, it changes and morphs and flows with whatever I'm doing at the time. Yeah. I'm currently a, um, a sanity, energy and gut guide, I'm calling myself. Nice. Um, my name is Faith Cantor. Um, I um, do coaching. I'm obviously an author. I've got five books out, but one of them's a, a kind of a remake of the first one. I've got one about to come out, and I've got several I'm working on. Um, I live in Portugal. Um, I used to. Um, live in Scotland, um, not far from yourself, really, in the greatest scheme of things from where I am now. Yeah, <laughs> um, uh, yeah what else do I do? I just love being out in nature. I love to forage. I love to uh, ferment. I love to walk. Uh, I just love anything natural. Um, and yeah, I guess that's kind of me in a nutshell. <laughs> very, very quick edited down nutshell (laughs) (laughs) so one of the things that I remember from your first couple of books is very much 
along the lines of how I try to live, but I think your next level is doing things as naturally as possible. So yeah. Living off the land where possible, um, eating from the land where possible. What point in your life did that come in? I think I've, for a lot of my life, I've always felt uh, very drawn to the land. My parents, I was quite lucky uh, at, that my parents were quite... I don't know if I felt it was lucky at the time, mind. Uh, I, I see now it was very lucky that my parents were very into nature and they used to take us on nature walks and, and teach us the birds and the butterflies and the, the flowers and, and you know, rescue bats and that sort of thing. So I always had that kind of connection to nature. And then I think as, as I grew older I, and got busy with life and stuff, I kind, I kind of got distracted <laughs> away from nature and then uh, I got I, I started to get very ill um, uh, with various different things um, that most of them I didn't know what they were at the time and then eventually after quite a few years I ended up with um, chronic fatigue syndrome um, quite severe depression very severe IBS and a few other things that I collected <laughs> um, and on, I think somewhere in that not being able to be busy all the time because I was so unwell, I was bed bound and house bound a lot of the time, somewhere in there, that forced slowness made me realise that what I was missing, it made me realise I hadn't been paying attention to nature, I hadn't been connecting with myself, I hadn't been connected with nature, I hadn't been connecting with anything really um and I started to kind of just sit in the garden when I could or just watch the birds and the butterflies outside and really notice what I've been missing with these kind of I call them beauty blinkers on uh when you're kind of in this rush 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 gotta get to work gotta do this gotta do that you know gotta live this life that we've decided that we're meant to be living um and yeah as my has my kind of recovery from all of those ailments progressed over it took about six and a half years um in total for me to recover um more and more i noticed that um what was helping me was connecting with nature being more natural getting rid of all the chemicals out of my home getting rid of the chemicals off my skin, the stuff I was putting on my skin, the food I was eating, um, you know, start when I could start to go out foraging for things and really just connecting back with my body and what was around me and the, the environment, the world kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and now it's, it's just, it's an essential part of my, my, day you know it's an essential part of me and I think it's an essential part of us all really it's just we get busy with this this what we think is living um but it's it's not we're just kind of surviving um so as I started to get well I I kept saying to my then husband 
I would really like to have a small holding somewhere. We lived in Scotland, in Edinburgh. Uh, so, you know, it's not really much small, hold, many small holdings in Edinburgh. Um, and he seemed quite open to that because he'd known how ill I'd been and I wanted to help other people, I said, and, you know, stuff like that. So it just became this idea that I kind of started to visualise and um, almost fixate on. It, was a, it became a, a real thing for me. Um, and then a few years later, me and my husband split up, but this, this idea was still there and I didn't want to stay in Edinburgh. Um, I was fully well by then, but I didn't want to stay, even though I love the city a lot, I didn't want to stay there and just survive, just go back to surviving. I wanted to thrive as it were. Um, so Somewhere along those lines, it's a quite a long story, but I ended up in Portugal um, buying a piece of land to live off grid um, away from all the electromagnetic stress that's around us in cities and things. And yeah, growing up my own food and foraging and walking barefoot and, you know, doing all the things I, I think we all should be doing anyway. Yeah. But it's, yeah, a bit difficult um, with this living. I I say with the what do they call them? The, not ham brackets. <laughs> uh, yeah. Like inverted commas. <laughs> yeah. Your quotes. Your quotes. air quotes. That's the word. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Would you say it's fair to say that you don't miss any of your old life then? Hmm. Um, there's, there's a few things that is quite nice, you know, it's quite nice to, I kind of miss going to the theatre, which is a bit of a strange thing, I don't know. Um, uh, I quite, you know, there's something very magical about that kind of thing. I'm not a big, I wouldn't watch TV, say, and things like that, but, you know, the theatre is quite nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, I know there's obviously some friendships and things and stuff that I'm, I don't see those people face to face, although nobody's seeing anyone face to face at the moment really much. But uh, yeah, that sort of thing. But as a whole, no. Um, you know, Edinburgh is a very beautiful city, very accessible, many beautiful things. The UK is a great place. But no, I, I, I just had this yearning, I think, to be, to live a simpler um more connected life um and that's what's that's what's in the back of my mind it's like a it's like a part of, it's like part of my values that I keep keep connecting into you know what am I what am I doing with each day is it is it helping this mm-hmm. um this these values to um be or is it hindering it and that's you know how I that's how I do everything day to day really is kind of checking in with that. Um, and that's, that's just super, super important to me. And I don't know whether that's because you know I've been very unwell um, or just because actually deep down when, we, when anyone stops distracting themselves with social media and Netflix and drinking and, you know, whatever it is, men <laughs> or whatever, when we start distracting ourselves with all these other things, I think deep down that's all what we all want yeah. and what we all need. Yeah. I know when I was first taught about values, 
and living by them. It was like, I wrote about this in my book, about how it was such a light bulb moment for me of helps me then make decisions and I don't question the decisions because if I'm living by my values, then what else is there? Something's either to go with your values or to go against it. So when you come into line with that, and I think it's something that we're not maybe taught and not, like we're certainly not taught it at school to know about values, never mind to live by them. It's definitely a we should all all be taught yeah I think everyone seems very fixated on purpose but actually I think if we check in with our values the the this purpose will come anyway Mm. if we're clear what it is that we want and how we want to be as a person and and those sorts of things, then the other stuff starts to fall into place. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because that's interesting you, you say about purpose. That's some one of those things that I've always been like, I need to work out what my purpose is. And it's always been really, really difficult. But when, when you put it like that, if you're living by your values, your purpose kind of finds you. Yeah. Yeah, I work with a lot of clients that as they start to get um, well, because I know I work with a lot of people with chronic fatigue syndrome, um, as they start to get well, they start to get fixated on purpose. And I know I did it myself as well. Now I was like, oh, I'm starting to feel like I might be able to do something in the world again, but I don't know what to do. And you get you go round and round in circles, and actually it becomes really quite stressful. Um, you know, oh, I don't know what my purpose is. Uh, you know, I'm just everyone else seems to have it sorted. This sort of thing. Yeah. But. Yeah, I think when you when you kind of just forget about it, it finds you and you kind of yeah keep checking in with your values and checking in with what makes you feel good and what inspires you and, and you feel passionately about. And, and then the purpose will kind of bite you on the bum. Yeah. Yeah. With the clients that you work with, what would you say is the biggest challenge for them to overcome is it any the, themes with clients or the mind ah <laughs> 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 uh, our beautiful mind <laughs> yeah. when you say mind do you mean the ego mind no I, I mind loops i think that's what i'm getting at the mind loops that we get ourselves in of i'm stuck or i'm lonely or i'm not enough or you know these the stories that we've told ourselves for 20 30 40 50 years yeah um we get stuck in them and they trigger our nervous system, they trigger our adrenals, they, they make us feel really bad mentally as well as physically, they upset our digestive system. You know, they, they really affect everything. They affect our relationships, our sleep, you know, um, our careers, everything. These kind of stories we tell ourselves. We, like I said, I call them kind of mind loops because once you get caught in it, it's hard to get out of it and it kind of go, gains momentum. And um, I think that's one of the hardest things for people 
is to break free of that loop of, and create a new loop or an, a healthier habit. Yeah. Um, yeah, and in the meantime, it's you know, tiring us more and affecting us sort of physically as well as mentally. Because it's almost, if you're stuck in one of those loops, it's almost like maybe a, there's a, an internal fight going on because there's your value system over here that if you live in that, you can feel light and free and easy. And if you're not and you're stuck in one of those, is there's like an internal battle going on all the time. And if you're in fight, you are going to end up exhausted. Yeah. Yeah, one of the hashtags I often use is stop the fight. Um, and it's, it's actually what I at one point considered calling my book, Loving Yourself Inside and Out. I considered calling it stop the fight. Yeah. Um, because that's what we're doing all the time is battling ourselves. Mm. And even when we become aware we're doing it, sometimes it's still hard to get out of it. And then we make ourselves feel worse because we feel like we should know better. Yeah. Um, so we, I remember when I was starting along this kind of journey of uh, self-discovery, healing, whatever it is, um, and I'd, I'd do the courses and I'd read the books and, you know, all this stuff, and then I'd still find myself in what I call the pits of despair. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd be like, oh, how am I here again? Why am I feeling so bad again? you know, that sort of thing. And then I'd be like, you should know better, Faith. You know, you've done these courses. You yeah, Clearly they don't work for you. Clearly this isn't, you know, you're broken more than everyone else in some way. Mm-hmm. And it, this is this gains momentum and makes you, you, your mind starts telling you that you're worse than everyone else and you should know better and all this nonsense. Yeah. Um, which is why it's so easy then to spiral into depression um because you you're even when you you're doing the alternative stuff it doesn't work for you like it does for everyone else mm-hmm. that's what you tell yourself yeah but then we're kind of conditioned to think that way that you mm. can't do this by yourself that you need to be like if society lived if society existed on we can heal ourselves and all everything we need is within ourselves lots of things wouldn't exist and lots of people wouldn't have a lot of money (laughs) yeah yeah Uh, our economy is greatly based on us thinking we're not enough and that we need something else you know whether that's down to some mascara and lip gloss or something or you know a new outfit or hairdo or a new house or a new car or um uh, new new something or other you know that's it you know if we all of a sudden tomorrow all of us went okay I don't need anything else on the outside to make myself feel good uh, mentally and physically then I think the economy would just collapse <laughs> you know yeah um so yeah it's it serves our, our, uh, how our planet works at the moment how our society works at the moment to be like this it's crazy what do you think a better solution would be hmm. 
Good question. <laughs> Such a huge question. <laughs> yeah. Basically, you're asking me, how do I fix the world? <laughs> how do we fix the world? <laughs> yeah. Mm. Um, there are a few things. I, I do believe that if we are taught, especially from a young age, to be more heart-centered rather than head-centered, mm. that would definitely help. You know, when we do come into this world as small children, we are super heart-centered. We don't care what we look like, what we dress like, what we sing like, if we're naked, anything. You know, kids, small children, they dance around, they look in the mirror, they're, yeah, they're, they're in love with themselves and life and stuff. And then somewhere along the lines, um, the world starts to tell them to behave, be quiet, conform, mm. wear this, do that. Um, and they start to switch to head. Yeah. So then when we're in our head, it's all this, I'm not enough, I need to do more, I need to please more, I need to achieve more, I need to be more, it's more, 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 more. You know, it's, we're not enough inside ourselves, but we also haven't got enough around us. Yeah. Um, and that's very head-based. And when I work, you know, the stuff I did with myself and when I work with clients, we do a lot of work on, on coming back to the heart and recognising that when we are stuck in these mind loops and these hating on ourselves and, and the world and things like that, it's head. When you're in your heart, you, can't, you, you don't think like that you know because there's no there's no thinking like that there's no judgment um it's very very um peace not, not just all, not always peaceful but it's very there's an ease there there's a gentleness a kindness a compassion um a creativity you know when we get writer's block that's because we get or or artist block in some way that's because we're stuck in our heads you know, when we come back to our heart, we flow again. You know, it's our, it's our intuitive space, our creative space, our flow. Um, and it helps us to connect with our body and nature and life. And I think if we taught, and like, it's not, it doesn't serve us to be in our heart all the time either, because, you know, things like uh, banking and stuff, it, you, you, need, you need head. You need head to do things. Yeah. Head's not bad. But we're just stuck in it most of the time now. Mm. So when we come back to our hearts, um, we're, we're happier and we're not these needy, pushy, not enough, stuck. We're not all the crappy things that we don't like feeling. How long would you, do you think it takes somebody to change? Can, do you think it can be done pretty instantaneously or do you think it's a gradual process? It depends on the person and where they are, obviously, in their journey. Um, but it can be quite quick. But it is actually, you're learning to form new habits. Um, so, you know, you can't, it's not you can't, it's, it's harder if you just, you know, listen to this podcast saying and go, right, that's it. I'm going to change. Um, you actually have to put things in place, you know, to allow that to happen. Like um, I have a chart in three of my books now. It keeps changing names in each chart. 
uh, each book um, in the new one coming out it's called the thriving guide and it's just a basic like three columns and stuff and it's just kind of a check-in with yourself of what are you doing to help yourself um, feel the way you want to feel you know or you know get healthy or do whatever it is is that your focus is and it's just like okay um, am I tapping am I um, meditating am I doing this am I doing that or am I just expecting that once I've read that book or listened to that podcast that magically it's going to be there <laughs> and I think we've all felt that you know you've put a book down you've been like yeah I'm going to live my life by this book and a week later you're like what book <laughs> oh yeah that yeah that was that was really good I'm not I can't really remember why but it was a really good book yeah and the same with courses and stuff. We go on workshops and things or retreats and for a week or two afterwards, we're like, yeah, I feel great. And then six months down the line, we're like, oh, I need to do another retreat or another workshop or something. Yeah. So it is, about. yeah. So it's, it's creating a new habit and it, it's because we've just got into this old habit. Like we didn't come to this world um, thinking the way we think now. So we, we, we formed an, this habit so it does it can take some time to get out of the habit again if you've been doing it for 20 30 40 50 years yeah um but it's totally doable and now i i i, I know i spend more time in my heart than i do in my head whereas before it was very much the other way i mean i might have been in my heart I don't know, when I was clubbing on a dance floor, I felt pretty heart-centered <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> um, but, you know, or you saw something pretty or, you know, a loved one said something nice. Yeah. But it was it's fleeting. It's very rare. Um, but, yeah, I set reminders in my phone, like, where are you hanging out, heart or head? Started doing heart-centered meditations. Um, started just placing my hand on my heart because that's that creates happy hormones just mm -hmm. that alone according to the heart map institute um started re watching and reading stuff about it and really making it part of my kind of daily practice and now it's just natural and now i notice when i've gone into my head instead yeah but before it'd be like oh i've gone again <laughs> um, um but yeah, it becomes, the more we practice anything, the more natural and easy it becomes. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. There's another question came into my head and it's just floated straight back out again. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it can't be as big as how do we fix the world, basically. <laughs> oh, I'm not scared by any questions now. <laughs> I think every other question is just inferior to it. <laughs> exactly. We should just give up now. <laughs> That's it. We're done. That's it. Game's over. She's answered all. She's answered all the words. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, I know what it was. Um, the influence of the people round about you mm -hmm. will, I imagine, impact the speed or slowness that you create any kind of change because if you've got people that are fully supporting you and are on a similar path or already ahead of the path 
that's going to make the journey very different to being on a path where you're the one that's ahead of everybody else and they're all going, what are you doing? Mm. Yeah, it definitely makes a difference. And I I talk about this in one of the books I'm working on called Feeding the Divine, which is predominantly a cookbook, but it's also about how do we feed ourselves with our environment, our relationships, those sorts of things. Um, so it definitely does make have an impact on us if we've got people that are on the same path and are supportive and understanding and things. Um, but it's also, it's not a good thing to get trapped in because we can make it a story again that, oh, I can't achieve whatever it is I want to achieve because of these people in my life that I have to have in my life. I, I don't know, because it's my mum or my, my child or... Yeah. You know, I hear that quite a lot. People say, I can't recover from chronic fatigue syndrome because I've got kids or I can't do, you know, I can't um, eliminate the stress because I have to work. You know, these sorts of things. So it definitely has an impact, but our belief about it has more of an impact most of the time. Our belief about anything has more about the act. You know, they say there's a saying something like, it's not the problem that's the problem, it's our way of thinking about the problem that it is. Yeah. Um, and this is the same. We can get you can get kind of caught in that kind of um unhelpful belief that you can't achieve something because of this thing that you simply cannot eliminate from your life. Yeah. But the better way of kind of thinking about that would be to kind of say okay this thing is in my life what can I do around it or what can I what how can I adapt um to it um because it's there you know looking for the solutions rather than at the problem yeah yeah it's it's um I talk about this quite a lot with my clients and on my membership and stuff. It's focus on what you can do rather than what you can't. So this, in this instance, it would be focus on what you can change rather than what you cannot. Yeah. And when there's people in your life that you can't change, you can look at how you let them influence your thoughts and feelings and how you respond to that so that you're less reactive yeah 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 definitely um most of the time you know when someone hurts us they they're you know this they say something hurtful or they're just their general demeanor is upsetting to us or something like that you know that initial hurt you know we're human and that's that's fine we we have this initial hurt we're triggered um so they hurt us once but then we choose to continuously re-hurt ourselves every time we think about it mm-hmm. every time we we give it power we give it fuel yeah. and you know they they can have gone on you know someone you met in the street was a total a-hole to you um you know they've gone on and forgotten about it yeah. you know and still a week later you're like oh god that person did this to me and look at all the stress they've created and how I've not been sleeping and you know it's it's us that's us doing that that's not them anymore 
And we can choose not to do that. We can choose to react a different way. And we can choose for these people not to have some sort of control over our lives and our minds and our future. Yeah. Um, and we can choose to let it go. Yeah, something that I find really useful is, particularly if it's been a complete stranger that's been a dick or whatever, you, it's good for me to remind myself that I have no idea what's going on in their life outside of that that one interaction and even people that you do know you don't know what's going on in their heads or what's going on elsewhere in their life that something that your interaction with them has just been a slight trigger or whatever and what they've done they haven't meant to do or say in the way that they said or you've just completely misinterpreted what the situation has been or the conversation Mm -hmm. so it's it's not about you because everything that you do is not about other people everything you do is about you and if you can remember that and it's the same rule for everybody else it can help you be a bit nicer to yourself and to everybody else yeah totally yeah and to ask yourself what's the learning here Mm. now when I started to ask myself that I was like you know the learning isn't all people that live on that street are assholes or something, you know, which is what we tend to do. It's like, oh, all these people are that way. <laughs> um, is actually my learning a lot of the time was I can choose a different way or um, let me move back into my heart or breathe or, you know, just let it go or whatever it is. There's always a learning. And when I put my hand on my heart, whenever I do feel triggered, because we, you know, it doesn't matter if you're the biggest, bestest guru in the world, everyone still gets triggered. Mm. We just deal with that trigger. The way we deal with it after, after the initial trigger, that's the difference. Um, so whenever I feel triggered or whatever, I usually put my hand on my heart and I'm like, okay, what is the learning here for me? And there's always, always a learning because I've been triggered. Yeah. And we're quite often triggered, I believe, by, we're triggered by the universe to remind ourselves of the lessons that we need to learn, whether the universe is God or your guru or whatever your belief system is. These triggers come up as a reminder of it's a continual process it's not just a right tick that's that fixed tick that's that fixed it helps us grow more totally totally we don't really grow in our comfort zone we grow when we feel discomfort and pain and heartache and anger and all all this stuff that we're always trying not to feel that's when we grow if we allow ourselves to grow um so it's needed you know it does it's hard for people sometimes to um accept but everything is really happening for us you know all the you know it's me like many people have had quite some horrendous things happen to them in their lives and I see now, looking back at those things, and hopefully I will see in anything that comes in the future as well, every single one of them, I grew exponentially in that time. You know, it really changed my relationship with myself, 
the people around me, my life, that sort of thing. Um, you know, I call uh, the chronic fatigue syndrome one of my greatest teachers. Mm. Uh, there's, there's, I, I think, in, I know that it's all happening for me. And in, in that trust, I know that whenever other bad things happen, there's been some of them happen in the last couple of years, for instance, since I've been kind of feeling more uh, whole and happy and all the other things. Um, you know, even in the midst then of those bad things happening, I knew it was happening for me and I knew there were lessons there and I knew it was guiding me along the path that I should be on and away from whatever I shouldn't be. And that just helped me move through those things um, with so much more ease and less a little less pain and not get stuck in them and not get stuck in this victim mentality that is so easy for us as human beings to get stuck in. Yeah. And yeah. And then move along the path a bit further. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think when you're on this journey and you're saying it, it makes it a little bit easier to maybe be more resilient with it but that doesn't stop you ever feeling the pain when bad stuff happens like you're and you're allowed to feel sad or feel angry or you're allowed to experience all of these motion emotions but it's mm. like you're saying not not holding on to it and clinging on to that story of this is my new identity mm. yeah definitely i mean i was having this discussion with actually two other people in the last week so it's so obviously a thing yeah. um that we need pain in life you know it's part of life it's part of living somebody said to me um i wish god wouldn't make people suffer or something along those lines and i said but we need it yeah. you know when a mouse kills a, when a cat kills a mouse that mouse suffers but the cat needs it to live unless it's got someone giving it whiskers or something <laughs> um you know when people eat meat people eat fish you know um you know it's obviously some of these animals suffer a bit too much um but you know i feel we need it as well i think if we were all just you know hanging out in our hearts and being all lovely and stuff i don't think the world would be able to continue you know i don't think it does not how nature works it's just as humans we've we take too much and we create too much pain yeah. you know we're, we're we're greedy um but nature which we are still part of yeah. um by definition has to have suffering to survive yeah. and i like i said going back to that I, I feel that that's the time we grow and if we remind ourselves of that every time we feel that suffering, that pain, whatever it is, um, that we're growing, um, then it's much easier to move on, move on from it. And yeah, as you say, not get caught in this woe is me, um, poor me and my life and all the shit things that happen to everyone. Yeah, it's one of the things that um, Renee Brown talks about um, quite a lot is when people are are and they are suffering is 
not comparing your suffering to somebody else's some people feel shame around their suffering and oh well this is really bad for me but look at what's happening to those people over there that's 10 times worse or the last time this had happened to me I felt that way and I should feel that way this time or whatever but doing that comparison is really not useful because yeah. what you're suffering is is purely yours and purely in this mm. this moment what mm. it was last year or what it was what it's going to be in 10 years and what your next door neighbor is going through or somebody in another country that's theirs and mm. trying to make not beat yourself up for feeling bad about stuff that happens yeah and just allow it you know that was one of the things that really helped me um conquer almost 30 years of depression um was by allowing those air quotes <laughs> um bad feelings to be there you know, I thought I wasn't meant to feel them. I thought they weren't meant to be there. The, the pain, the bad th the thoughts or, you know, the grief, the anger, the whatever it was. And I was constantly trying to get rid of them. So, but then you're pushing them away and they keep coming back up, you know, and they, and they, they gain, again, gaining momentum or that you're feeding them and occasionally then they come up and they bite you on the ass and they create a big mess yeah. um but if we allow that but you know not wallowing in it but kind of like okay what am i feeling right now oh okay i'm feeling i'm feeling some grief you know yeah oh, i'm just going to allow it to be there because that's part of me that's part of being this human being that is faith yeah um is this grief and to be able to ex love and accept all of all of me i need to be able to love and accept that there is that grief there sometimes or that there is that anger there sometimes or that confusion there sometimes mm. and when you do that they kind of they're there still but they they don't have this power over you and it's just a feeling it's just there And then you get to experience it and let it go. Yeah. Rather than it experience and then consume. Totally. What are your favourite tools for, other than you've mentioned about placing your hands onto your heart and just asking yourself, do you have any other like tools that you t teach your clients that you find really useful? Well, yeah, the heart works obviously a biggie, but um, tapping, EFT, emotional freedom technique, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> and it's called by many names, that's another biggie. And I, I really like it because it's, it's empowering for people and they can do it themselves yeah. um, whenever they want, however they like. Um, so that works in a similar way to acupuncture and acupressure, and it works on the meridian lines within the body and helps to release blockages and habits and things like that um both mentally and physically throughout the body yeah. and i just think that's an amazing tool what what traditionally it's when if people have come across it already they might have tried it or um 
thought, oh, that looks really complicated. Because <laughs> um, it, it does seem a bit complicated to start with. But I have videos on my YouTube channel um, about, I call it the easy way to tap. Because it does, you don't have to tap the, the complicated way. Yeah. You can just do it in the moment on whatever point you want, just however you feel. Um, it's just about being honest about how you're feeling. So, so to some people, it it feels wrong because we're being taught, again, to think happy thoughts and say happy things and be positive and say 100 mantras and, you know, this sort of thing. Yeah. But if you're doing all that, but inside your head, you're still thinking, I hate myself and I hate life, then that's the mantras that are going in. You know, that's the ones because you're saying them a thousand times a day, you know, and you're saying 10 happy ones outwardly. You know, so the tapping allows you to vocalize or verbalize those thoughts in your head of, you know, I hate myself, I hate this life, I hate this, blah, 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 and get it all out, just get it in, all out in a rant, and then flipping it into something a bit more positive on the end. Yeah. Um, and I think it, it's, I, I find it a super, super powerful tool um, and one that can be used anywhere, anyhow. And you can't do it wrong. Um, you can do it for just 30 seconds or you can do it for three hours if you wanted to. Um, it's, a, it's, it's such a, a, an easy tool to do, to, to use for people. So that's definitely um, a big one for me. Yeah, I've, I've had... Um some tapping coaching sessions um so i've gone to somebody to help help me with and she takes me through tapping and i find it really beneficial because i used to do nlp i used to go for mm -hmm. the nlp sessions but i did my nlp practitioner and master practitioner and i learned the kind of tools of the trade if you like and i found that it then became less effective but with tapping and particularly when i am coached through it because somebody else is guiding me through it. I don't know what, what direction she's going to take me in. And, some, mm -hmm. and she's very intuitive. So sometimes she'll start off in one direction and then something will come to her and she'll just move me off in another direction. And I found that that's been really, really helpful um, as an, a proper introduction. Because I did one or two tappings with you on Facebook years ago um, when you were doing them as like Facebook Lives had come on. Because I was like, I don't really know anything about this tapping thing. I'll see what it see what it is and I felt better after doing it but I've never I've done a couple of videos myself like followed somebody along on YouTube or, or something like that and it's been fine but I've just I found it going to somebody and having that like one-to-one -one session really really useful I've used it quite a lot this year in helping let go of stuff yeah so it's such a great tool um and there are probably tens and tens of thousands of videos that people can um, find on YouTube for various different topics, you know, from getting rid of phobias to depression to you know, anxiety, all sorts of things, weight loss even, and things like that. Um, I have some on my channel as well. Um, but yeah, it's, once you learn it, it's, it's quite easy to, do for yourself as well and to just and it's super effective if you are frustrated or anxious or you know any of those tools uh, any of those things um 
because if you do it in the moment, it taps into those raw emotions and you get the truth out. Whereas sometimes when you sit down to do a session um, of it, you're kind of like, oh, I'm not very happy at the moment. You're kind of tapping. You're like, oh, I'm, I'm a bit miffed. <laughs> and inside you're like raging or you were raging earlier because you calm down now. Yeah. That's all it will work on when you tap is then, oh, I'm a bit miffed. Uh, but if you'd done it earlier in the middle of that rage, yeah. it would have, it would have, you would have released it all. Yeah. Yeah. So why did why why do they use the acupressure points when they're doing it? Is that just all connected because, to Chinese medicine? Yeah. It's the meridians, so it's 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 clearing blockages on those meridian points then. So um they say that you it's the t the tapping points are different depending on who you learn from as well. Like there's a few of them that are the same, but some people do all the fingers, some people do points on the legs or the feet. There's ears. They're all they're slightly different. But what I say to people is just pick one, one or two, or just do whatever feels right in the moment. You know? But they do say that if there is a tenderness there, then that's a good sign that there is a blockage in that meridian. Um, so yeah, it's, it's to clear that whole meridian. So you can tap on your hands, you can tap on your feet, you can tap on anything really. Yeah. Um, but the points that they traditionally teach kind of these ones around the eyes and things, I think they, that hits a lot all the way down the body. So that's, that's why a lot of them do those ones. Those points. Yeah. Mm. yeah. So of the books that you have out, which is which was your favourite one? Uh, um, I would say Living a Life Less Toxic. <laughs> um, as I brought it out twice now. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I learned a lot from writing that book. I was fully well when I wrote the first edition of it. Um, and it triggered the writing of it triggered a lot of um, insecurities and things again which I was shocked about because you know I thought I'd had it sorted then um, and I'm writing about detoxing the mind and the body and and I was thinking oh I don't know why I'm doing this so I can't, I'm not a writer I'm dyslexic and know what people don't like it well, and I've got to put myself out there and it triggered a lot of stuff in me yeah. um, but like I said I knew that that was happening to clear those things mm. um, but that that was my favorite book the one that took the longest um, the one that I learned a lot the most from um, the one that was definitely the hardest to write um, but yeah definitely my favorite uh, for lots of different reasons other than that as well I, I, I like the recipes in it and <laughs> uh, I think it gives it a big a good overhaul not overhaul overview of how we can look after ourselves on every level mentally physically uh, within our homes those sorts of things yeah. um, and I enjoyed I, I haven't done so much in recent the, the last few years because I've been traveling a lot but I enjoyed um making a lot of my own cosmetics and things like that. So there's a lot of those kind of um, 
recipes and things in there as well it's not just food recipes it's like how to make your own skin products and things like that quite easily so yeah I think that was the most hard and um what's the other word they're trying to think of I learned a lot from that book um so yeah it's it was my book baby (laughs) I think it was reading that book that I got rid of using um, deodorant, shower gels, shampoo. Like I ditched all of that because when I when that book came out, I was when I was when I was really unwell the first time, and I was just like, I need to just find everything that can potentially help me heal. And removing anything like that, those skincare products and deodorants and stuff like that that I was using, I just ditched every single one of them. I was like don't need these anymore <laughs> and started all and stuff yeah 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 it's quite liberating actually yeah. but then you're like oh, I have this big box of things so, and, uh, and what do I do with that I don't want to give it to someone because I feel like I'm poisoning them or something <laughs> it's like all I mean it was like shouldn't be using that stuff on your skin and he's like oh it's fine like he goes to the pound shop and buys the cheapest nastiest stuff and I'm like you can't put that on your skin like read this book and he's like oh no it's fine it's fine it's fine I'm Polish and I'm like okay whatever so you can't you can can tell somebody about this stuff but you can't force them into it if it's not in their spectrum of belief (laughs) yeah I think when you're very ill you're more open to things like that because you obviously you want to be well again so you're looking for things you can do but if you're someone that's you know fairly healthy and things like that it's not a high priority to then start you know making your own hair gel or something (laughs) (laughs) yeah definitely so I think when when I'm not well I definitely know notice how sensitive I am to everything like smells Mm. Can't even use um, like cleaning wipes because of the bleach that's in them. I'm just like allergic to that. Makes my nose start streaming. Like my body's just like no, can't can't cope, can't cope. Send it away. So even my all my cleaning products of all are all now essential oils and vinegar and bicarbonate of soda. Totally clean, like cleaned all of them out. Nice. Yeah. And that's also, you know, a lot of the cleaning products are actually cheaper when you make them yourself, you know, just a bit of vinegar and some lemon juice or something. Mm-hmm. So you can actually save money by being healthy sometimes too. <laughs> well, so for my skincare regime, I use olive oil and salt. Yeah. And that's everything. That's wash and moisturize. And I don't bother with deodorant because I've got oil massaged into my skin so that's just the whole shebang it's just those two ingredients nice (laughs) there's no additional cleansers and moisturizers and body scrubs and body lotions and all the different things there's one glass jar that sits with that in it and that's it yeah mine's coconut oil nice Uh, yeah fixes everything coconut oil will fix the world that's what i should have said earlier Inside and outside your body. Yes. (laughs) Um, So we'll wrap up now. Is there anything else that you want to say or want to talk about or 
you've got a new um, book coming out in September, hopefully. Yeah, so I've got um, a book coming out, which I just had a complete mind blank about the name of it. <laughs> oh dear. Um, <laughs> it's called Freedom, Feeling Your Way Through uh, Chronic Fatigue Syndrome. Nice. Um, so it's about um, some of the physical things we can do for ourselves like body brushing and detoxing and um, ways we can support ourselves physically. But it doesn't focus um, so much on that as some of my previous books, because I think a lot of people are actually already doing a lot of that stuff now. Yeah. Um, so it focuses more on the mind. So there's, it's got quite a few chapters in it, but they're all quite short. Um, and it's, covers a lot of what we've spoken about today, actually, you know, focus on the cans rather than the can'ts, um, about how being less toxic can actually become toxic because you start stressing about yeah. um, it all the time, and yeah. um, how we can support ourselves mentally, basically, a lot of the book is about that. Um, so, you know, it's my editor actually said to me it would be quite useful if I brought it out before this um, craziness that's going on in the world at the moment because yeah. a lot of the things I share in there would help people with their anxiety and fears and things like that. Yeah, so, fatigue syndrome to get you out of that book. Yeah, yeah, and you know if you're suffering from any kind of fatigue, prolonged fatigue then I think you'll find the contents of the book useful because it really shows you that um, the stress that we're feeling or putting ourselves under, um, how it's creating physical symptoms within the body and um, how you know, starting to work with the mind um, is you know, make, make friends of our thoughts, as I say in the book, um, is a really great way to help us feel mentally, physically, spiritually a lot better on on you know, on every level. Yeah. yeah, cool. So I'll put links in the show notes to all your other books. Where is the best place for people to follow you on social media or online? Yeah, um, well, my website's got all the links to everywhere else on, which is faith at faithcanter. No, that's not right. It's faithcanter.com. Uh, I almost gave you my email address instead. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, I'm on Instagram and I'm a prolific YouTuber. So there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of um, short videos about all sorts of things on there. But um, on my website, it's all in categories. So if you've got IBS, then you can just click on that and it'll take you to all my resources for IBS. Yeah. And the same for mental health and the same for chronic fatigue syndrome or hormonal um, concerns, that sort of thing. Uh, but you won't really find me on any of the other social media because I don't like hanging out on them anymore. So I'm not. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I deleted my personal Facebook account two months ago. I've got yeah. I still got a business page, but it's just linked to my Instagram. Mm. I share from that, but I very rarely go onto Facebook now to look at it. I'm just like, I don't want to be there. <laughs> yeah. It's not good for us mentally. A lot of the social media, if you're finding yourself triggered, 
um, depleted, um, checking it in the middle of the night, um, you know, wasting loads of time on it, then ditch it, just get rid of it. It's, it's not good for our mental and our physical health, you know, where the more time we spend in front of a phone or computer or whatever, the more electromagnetic stress um, we're suffering as well. And most people are suffering from that. So yeah, just something to consider. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably a whole other podcast in itself. Yes, I could rant for a long time about electromagnetic stress. <laughs> Can you summarize it? Uh, it's bad for you. <laughs> um, yeah. I would summarize it as in that a lot of the symptoms that a lot of people are feeling nowadays, the headaches, the fatigue, the insomnia, um, the brain fog, a lot of that can be put down to electromagnetic stress. And there are ways and means of um, limiting that or reducing that for yourself. You know, actually plugging in our computers again to the wall and switching off the Wi-Fi, not spending so much time on these things, switching all devices off at night, grounding yourself with nature that... Um, disperses the electromagnetic stress hug a tree you know when all these hippies for years have been saying hug trees it's super good for your health um you know that sort of thing there's a whole um it's not quite a craze but there's a whole movement now for forest bathing mm. and yeah it's come i think out of japan the research has certainly come out of japan but people are doing it here in glasgow they're, they're doing it around pollock park and stuff like that they're taking people on walks to do forest bathing walks to an educate oh. and all that so that's a step yeah. in the right direction as well definitely definitely so thank you so much for being on the podcast thank you thank you it's been really lovely speaking with you yeah you too i could speak to you forever Thanks for listening and remember to leave a review and subscribe over on iTunes or SoundCloud and check out what's going on at IamJenWilson.com or head over to Instagram and give us a follow just following IamJenWilson.com.